Well, I've got a scripture to read. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. The company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. And Elijah said, Go. I don't know. You don't need to listen to anything that I'm about to say this morning. But I believe the word of the Lord for someone in this place is go. You've been waiting on something for too long and God is saying it's time to go. God, do I need to do that? Go. God, do I need to stop that? Go. God, do I need to stop that? Go. Go. I don't know if you know, go is such a holy word. Two-thirds of God's name is go. Verse 3, then one of them said, won't you, you'll get it on Monday. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them and they went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to look at verse 1. It says, the place where you meet, the place where we meet with you is too small. As I read this verse a couple of weeks back, I felt like this wasn't the story of Elisha. I felt like this was my story. Because a number of times in the last three years, I've heard people say that to me. The place where we meet is too small. In fact, the title of my sermon is, This Place is Too Small. If you have doubts, look around. This place is too small. If you're not convinced, go to Kids Church. This place is too small. If you still not believe it, just swing by the foyer, which is a fake foyer outside with fake grass. We don't water them. In fact, we don't like when the grass is watered. It's a difficult day for us in the office. But this place is too small. You know, the number of times I've heard that. But you know, you can say the same thing and in many ways communicate a different emotion. I've had people say the same sentence over and over across the course of three years. Sometimes people come up to me like, I don't know it's small. Pastor, I've got something to tell you. <laughs> what is it? I don't know if you know this. Maybe you're so busy studying and preparing notes and, and just doing life, but I think this place is a bit small. <laughs> and I go, really? Are you kidding me? Like, no way. And, and I can take that because I love when people notice what is going on. But then I've had people go, this place. And then you can see the, the disgust as they're saying it. <laughs> because it's like, like, you know what I'm saying? You just need one thing to go wrong in this room and it affects the whole room. Uh, it's like this place. And, and even before they, they say the rest of it, their lips are quivering and trembling and shaking and it's too small. I've had some people like get a bit scared about telling it to me. So it's like, we love the church, but this place. And then they whisper it, too small. <laughs> what? It's too small. Like almost going to like affect my mood. What is it? It's too small. <laughs> And, and, and can I just say, I have lived with that statement uh, on my shoulder for quite some time. And, and, I, I, and I love Elisha uh, because I think he sort of bears witness to that same emotion that some of us have felt 
for quite some time. But maybe you're here and you're like, how does that translate? This morning we're going to have a bit of vision, but we're also going to speak into your life because I believe that we're not just called to build a building, we're called to build a church and the church's people. And as long as your life is not being built, there's no point in getting a building, there's no point in putting this and that because you are the most important thing to the heart of God. It's not a facility, it's not a cafe, it's not anything else. You are the most valuable treasure in the heart of God. You are the most important thing in the, in the eyes of God. You're the most important thing when it comes to church. And so how does this translate in our life? There needs to come a time in our lives where, where we come to a conclusion that where we live, with where we live, we cannot go on. We cannot go any further. There needs to come a place in our life where we need to come to a conclusion that this mindset is too small. This level of faith is too small. This level of giving is too small. No, no one's telling you that. You've got to come that to your own conclusion. How many of you have had people tell you, oh, you've got to change this and change that? And that might make you feel motivated for a day so that can offend you for a season. But I think the greatest day for any individual is when they discover something small in their life. It's not good enough to just notice the big things happening because sometimes, a lot of times, the big things that is happening is really not your doing, it's God's doing. And you just get to celebrate and sing through it. But a lot of times when, when you notice the small things in your life, it's usually an observation and an opportunity to change. And, and, and we need to reach a point in our lives where we need to go, this mindset of mine serve me in this season. This mindset of mine help me in this season. But where God is taking me, I cannot have the small mindset. This level of faith served me for so long, but where God has taken me, I cannot take with me this level of faith. This level of generosity was great in this season, but maybe my generosity is about to be challenged and my way of giving was big in that season, but in the season I'm about to enter into is too small. And some of us need to go, this thing is too small. This level of engagement is too low. I mean, that's also in the positive. That also can go when it comes to sin. That's what we call repentance. Repentance is nothing but an individual that goes this way of living, this way of behaving, this way of addictive behaviors is too small for me. Jesus died on the cross for me because I could have a big life. And this way of thinking is too small that I need to enter into the bigness of God's plans and purposes. That is repentance. And, and let me tell you, uh, there are some people that think that they're saved because someone else told them that God has a better life for them. Someone else alluded to the fact that God has a purpose for them. But I've, I've spoken to people that have lived in bad spaces. And whenever I ask them, what changed you? And, 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 I, and, I, and I hear them go, I was just sick and tired of that life. I was just sick and tired of those friendships. I was just like, you, I need to be careful how I say this. But sometimes you need a sin just to realize how disgusting it is. You getting what I'm saying? I know it's like, oh, it's Pastor Alwyn giving us permission. No, I'm not. But I think you will never reach the conclusion of the bigness that God has for you unless you're confined into the smallness of the sin and the addictive nature that you're, where you get it so, and you are so disgusted. You're like, I need Jesus. I need to be saved. I need to repent. And that is any person that's encountered God, that's encountered salvation is somebody that's realized that God has a bigger plan for their lives. It's that place of saying this way of living is too small. And I believe 2020 is a great year for expansion. It's a great year for increase. I begin to think, what was this place? Keeping our story aside, I begin to think about what were these prophets? So the context is Elisha was the senior prophet. And he had a bunch of other prophets, other leaders, doing things, doing life. 
And on one occasion, they come to Elisha and they say, Prophet Elisha, Pastor Elisha, I don't know if you noticed, but this place is too small. So I begin to think, before we go into their expansion project, I begin to think, what were some of the good things that happened at this place? I need you to understand that this meeting place of the prophets was not just a little club of the prophets. How many of you know that if a bunch of prophets come together, there's always going to be people? Because people have problems and prophets seem to have an answer. And anybody that carries the word of God on their lips is a prophet, in a sense, is somebody that's carrying a message. And so I, 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 I realized that this was not just the prophets club association gathering, talking about doing a fundraiser and a barbecue to extend and get ping pong tables. No, this was, this was a gathering of prophets because this is where the word of the Lord was spoken. This is where worship happened. This is where dreams and visions came. This is where people found purpose. Sort of sounds like the church, doesn't it? And so I wonder if this was a place where, yes, there were prophets that came together, but also was this a place where people came together? And, and, and this place that they're, ref, that they're referring to in history has a lot of mileage and has seen a few things. Yes, right now it is small. Yes, right now it's not significant in their eyes or where they're going. But let's not dismiss or diminish what this place has done. And this place, this prophetic place that Elisha led, saw miracles, saw healings, saw the dead raised, saw a breakthrough happen. In, in other words, there wouldn't be no bigger place if it weren't for this small place. I wonder if God is trying to tell us something today that sometimes we can despise the lack that we see even in this place and think I'm sick and tired of that. But maybe there would have been no building tomorrow if there weren't for this place. Maybe there would have been more, no miracles tomorrow if there weren't for this place. And so I want to talk about some of the things. I don't know if you know, but in the month of June, we were featured in the newspaper. I don't know if you knew that. In the North Lakes Times and in the Courier Mail, we were featured in the newspaper, and I think the, the headline said, Downport Church goes gangbusters. <laughs> what a great headline. And, and, and the whole thing, and can I say, if you were in the newspapers, you should always say that whenever church says they were in the newspaper, it needs to come with a disclaimer that it was good news. <laughs> so it was good. It was all good. It was all good. Uh, and, and, and the thing was about how we're doing stuff in schools. And I think the big thrust of the newspaper was the fact that there are young people that go to church. Because I don't know if you know this, but this is not usual. And, and I'm not going against a certain age group, but I find that if the church is not reaching the people of today, the church of tomorrow won't survive. And, and, and the whole thing was about how we've been creative and engaging. And if you look at our team, most of our team are young. They're 18, they're in their 20s. I mean, it's amazing what God has done in a short time in this place. And, and they're going to be leaders and pastors tomorrow. And, and what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that there's been a history even in this place. I wonder if we could make such an impact in such a small space, what is God going to do in a big place? And so just like Elisha's room, this place has become a big, bit small. But what I want to do is I want to correlate and share some of the miracles from Elisha's place, the prophet's place, and I want to correlate that with this place. I believe Elisha's place, the prophet's place, number one, was a place of salvation. I don't know if you know, but over the last few years, we've seen a couple of hundred salvations and recommitments. Some of them were salvations, some of them were recommitments, but it does not matter. It's all sacred and holy in the eyes of God. But in the last few, few years, we've seen quite a few salvations. I don't know if you remember. I was thinking as I was preparing this message about some of the radical salvations. I don't know if you remember Andre. Do you remember Andre? 
He was on this stage and sometimes he got so caught up in the swag that he forgot to play bass, but we won't hold that against him. But Andre, I still remember when Andre came to our first service. I think we were six months into this building. And I preached a message called the impressions of Instagram. What a good message. And, and, and it was all about the impressions we make. And Andre, that was his first Sunday. Funny enough, that was also our first baptism in this building. And Andre, I remember comes up as we're doing the baptism and like he's looking down and his tears in his eyes and, 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 and the people that went through the baptism, they went through two weeks of classes with me and laying out of hands and putting oil on them, all that sort of thing. And, and here's Andre, he's sort of like, I wanna be water baptized. And I'm like, I'm not sure if this is just being excited because I preached about Instagram. I'm not sure if this is genuine. And, and, and I remember talking to this gentleman and I remember some of our team were talking to them. And I think it was Petrus that brought Andre to me and said, Pastor, I think this is genuine. We, we had to do a genuine assessment in two seconds. What do you feel? What do you feel? What do you feel? What do you feel? Yeah, okay. And so, and, and I want you to know that day Andre got saved and he didn't have a t-shirt like he was wearing. He didn't come prepared, no towel, no t-shirt. We just picked one of our you know, water baptized teachers, put that on him, goes into the water, comes out a new man. And Andre got saved that day. But a few weeks later, Andre's mom from another country comes into our church. And she's in our service. I actually still remember she was somewhere in the fourth row. And I gave the altar call and her hands go up. You know, this lady is successful entrepreneur, married to a politician, all sorts of things of significant in that nation. And can I say, that month when she got saved was the happiest month in her life and in the whole family's life. They had revival in their family. But the sad story is six weeks later after she got saved, she had a stroke and she passed away. But you know what? Andre, I, the church family here, we have a confidence that one day we will see her again. But it all began because somebody turned up Somebody said the baptismal pool. Somebody gave the message and somebody's heart. Can you imagine? It was not just Andre, but his family and his whole, whole sort of lifeline that got touched with the power of God. This is a house of salvation. The prophet's place is a place of salvation. Here's the second thought. The prophet's place is a place of purpose and discovery. I want you to know that people went to prophet Elijah to get direction. When they did not know what to do with their life, when they did not know what to make of themselves, when they, didn't, when they were stuck. In other words, whenever people were stuck, they went to the prophet, when they needed vision, when they needed purpose. And can I say, that sort of is an echo even in this church. As I think about our church, I think about the countless numbers of people that have come to downpour and that have found purpose. In fact, the funny part is I actually don't even have to look past the front row because even in our front row, we've got people that got saved at downpour that got baptized at downpour and now on staff at downpour. How crazy is that in three years? I mean, that's what Jesus did, right? He sort of transformed 11 people in three years. And it's great when you do that because I'm telling you right now, that is what our mission statement is. The lost found, the found led, and the led raised. We're not looking for superstars that'll come and become leaders. We're looking for ordinary people like you and me that will have an extraordinary encounter with God and that will be used by God for His glory. But I want you to think about it. What if there was no building? What if no one planted a church called Downpour? Well, there would have been no front row, would there? 
And I want to say to us that today as we sit on the tide of how small this place is, let's look at the miracles of the small place and let's get excited at the bigness of what God is calling towards. In fact, I feel in many ways this was just a preview and the movie is just about to begin. I feel like this is just a little sneak peek of what God is doing and God's about to do in our lives. The third place, the third thing that the prophets place, the prophets place is a place for families, a place for families. I don't know if you know, there have been few occasions in the life of Elijah where women and families that couldn't conceive a child would encounter the prophet and the prophet would say things like, by this time tomorrow, by, so, by, by this time next year, God can do anything. <laughs> by this time, by this time next year, you're going you're gonna to have a baby boy. You're going to have a baby child. And there's been miracles upon miracles in the life of prophet Elisha when it comes to this. Well, can I say to you, I believe there's a bit of prophet Elisha in the house. I remember in 2018, Pastor Leah was at V31 conference and she just started going left, right, center. You're all for, there were people, there were families in our church, no jokes, that were trying and they, they could not have a baby. I'm not, this, this is a serious deal. They could not have a baby. And she says something. She says, I declare. I don't know what she said, but there was some, it was a powerful moment where she just prophesied destiny and prophesied babies and prophesied children. Next thing I noticed, it's around next, we're in Christmas and all the women are gaining weight. I'm not like, what's, what's going on and you know it took me a bit to understand what was going on then I asked people are having babies yeah babies yeah babies yeah I mean it's like popcorn just happening everywhere and and and, and I love that because it's a sign of health it's a sign of life it's a sign of fruitfulness and I say this I know we're laughing but you might be in this room and maybe you're believing for a child and I want to prophesy right now even upon the testimonies that we've had that in the name of Jesus that is your miracle that is your story and that can become your breakthrough and and and, and I think about how it's not just that but I think about the number of baby dedications we've had on this platform families that came together they bring their children and saying, pray for us, prophesy over us. It's a place for families. I think about the families. I think about the lives. I think about the children that God's blessed us with. How powerful. The prophet's place is a place for families. Number four, the prophet's place is a place of miracles. I've been talking about miracles all day, but I, be, I want to specifically hone in on a few miracles. Elisha saw a few miracles. He saw water supernaturally appear from dry ground. On another occasion, he saw the oil multiply for a widow woman who had no money. He saw oil multiply, lots of miracles. But I remember early on in our days when we were, we were probably four weeks old as a church right here. And this was back in the day. You know how nowadays, uh, in, in, in the, in, by two minutes in, Pastor Alvin and Leah sort of waltz in. You're like, hey, hey. What you doing? I didn't have that luxury before, just so you know. It was not always me. I was not a gangster always. So, so, so there was, this was in our early days when, you know, we were doing everything. We had to do everything. And I remember Leah jumped up here doing the transition as she does. And I was back there. I don't know what was going on. Something was falling. Maybe it was a snake. I'm not sure. And so I was back there doing something. And Leah jumps up and she says, last night I had an encounter with God. And God said, there's somebody, there's someone in their family with a situation in their, in their stomach, there's surgery, some sort of stuff. She says, there was a guy in our church, that was his first Sunday, he'd never walked into a church for 25 years. Never walked into a church for 25 years. That was his mom, and they were navigating through that. 
And he lifts his hands up. Leah starts prophesying over him. From memory, he runs out, gets on the phone, knows no church protocol, which is great. Gets on the phone, calls his mom, starts praying for her. She was booked in for surgery. The next day she goes to the doctor. The doctor says, you're completely clear. Well, next week, that guy brought 17 people to church. Here's my point. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are a house of miracles. We are a house of increase. We are a house of expansion. And it's powerful what begins to happen when God does that. Just two weeks ago, I don't know if Angela is in the room. I think Angela is in the, Sister Singapore, are you in the room? There you are. Angela's in the room. Just two weeks ago, I had a text from Angela. I do not remember when I prayed, but Angela had a problem with her eyes. And I laid hands for her, uh, you know, it took two days or whatever, but she said, two days after you prayed for a pastor, my eyes has been completely healed. God's doing great things. It's great when God does miracles in his house. Now, I don't know if you remember, last week I jumped up. Last week was Vision Sunday. And I was very well behaved, if you remember. I was not ghetto. I was wearing black. I was looking polished and all that. But God, <laughs> it's true. I, I walked out of the house today and Leah said, why are you preaching in your PJs? I said, it might be an overnight service. You never know, darling. <laughs> so, so, um, so uh, anyways, every now and then, you know, you, you wear PJs at work and stuff like that. This is my PJ in work day. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so uh, I jump up and I'm like all in vision mode. And as I'm in worship, I get this name in my spirit, Ernest. And the thing was, the name spelt, it didn't, it, I know the name Ernest, but the name was E-R-N-S-T. And so I'm like, I get this name. Okay, fine, God. Okay, that's cool. I jump up here. I'm like, and I'm telling God, God, it's vision Sunday. You know, I need to get into game mode. I was like, no, I need to call this. So I called his name out. And here's the thing about God. God is a God of overflow. And there were two people in the room that put their hands up. One was Frank. Uh, and Frank got in touch with me and said that he had a friend in the U.S. called Ernesto uh, who had a massive testimony. He has been going through a bit of a dry space. And after six years, that morning, just before he came to church, they made contact. Okay, so that's an overflow. I believe that's an overflow word, but the word specifically was for this other family, Dante. Uh, Dante and Billy, incredible people in our church, incredible family in our church. They have had a friend of theirs just move across from South Africa two days before, and the wife's name is Erica, and the husband's name is Ernest. Are you, is that you? Hey, Erica, how you doing? And so, and so, you know, just, just weeks into two days into coming to Australia, hey, how cool is that? This family has moved all across to Australia, not, you know, God, are you here? God, are you here? And God's waiting for a word for them. You know what I'm saying? Ernest is in the house sort of thing. And so how awesome is that, that God knows us by name? That God knows you by name. And I'm not sharing this story to brag. I'm sharing the story to tell us about the goodness of God. That He knows His children. He knows you by name. He cares for you. And let's look back at all the great things that God has done so that we can look at the bigger things that God's about to do. The prophet's house is a place of miracles. This place they met had, to, had become too small. And the problem is when the place becomes too small, it limits the miracle. I believe the reason why they had an expansion project was not so that they could have almond milk latte in the foyer. The reason why they had the expansion progress, progress was because they wanted to hold more miracles. They wanted more God encounters. They wanted more people to be touched. They needed more people. I want you to know the biggest church in Brisbane is not any other church that you think. The biggest church in Brisbane is the devil's church. He's got the biggest congregation. 
And he's beating the drums and they're marching to his beat. But can I say, as long as there's one person out there that doesn't know Jesus, we need to expand, we need to build, we need to grow and go for the glory of God. I want to read, I want to read verse 1. It says, the company of prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole. You know what I love? I think my favorite part about the story is... The boys come to prophet Elisha and say, we have a problem in verse 1, but we also have an answer in verse 2. And, and I just want to encourage us as people that are calling us, called call to be people that the part of downpour, let's not just be verse 1 people, let's also be verse 2 people. Let's not just be, oh, there's a problem here, there's a problem here. No, there's a problem here, but we're going to grab some poles together. We're going to build this together. We're going to be a part of solving the problem. I think there's great things that happen when the church comes together and become part of the answer. And, and I love Elisha because Elisha almost seems like he's oblivious. Oh, is the place too small? Can I say to you that probably Elisha noticed back that ages ago, but he was waiting for people to realize he was waiting for leaders to realize. And can I encourage you this morning, let's not just be recipients of the provision, let's be participants of the provision. Let's be people that say, hey, we want to be a part of this. And I'm not saying that you've got to build this and do manual labor. I'm just saying, I just need your commitment, heart and soul. Whatever that looks like. I just want, in other words, all I'm saying is I just want you to be excited. I just want you to be excited about what God is doing. And that excitement can translate into something else. But it says each of them had a pull. Each of them put, a, put their hands to the plow. And church, I want to encourage us to put our hands to the plow. Now you're probably, you're like, I'm new here. This is my first Sunday in church. Well, let's, be, let's, let's look at that whole thing. If you really think about it, even I'm new here. I've been around here only for three years. Three years is not a long time. You know what I'm saying? You're like, that is so confusing. Yeah, it's not like, you know, 10 years, I get that. But three, we, if, you look at, if you look at it, it's all relative and we're all new. And how great it is that we are new and we're about to do a new thing. You know what I'm saying? And, and can I say, if you're new, this is the best time to get into it. Don't wait for, I'm sussing the waters. No, the waters are changing anyway, so there's no point in sussing the waters. Get inside and say, hey, we are going to go in this together. Let's pioneer together, and it's going to be great. Now, maybe, now maybe you're, say, you're saying, okay, I'm not new, but I'm not saved. Fantastic. Get saved. But here's the thing. If you're not ready, that's okay. If you're not saved... And if you're not ready to be saved, you can still be a part of this. Because we're trying to reach you. So you tell us how to reach you. You educate us how to reach you. If there's things in our flyer that is too Christianese, help us so that we can help reach you. Well, I remember when we started our church, there were people in our pioneer team that weren't saved yet. They were coming and attending, but they weren't saved yet. And I would tell them, hey, does this make sense to you? Like, does these words make sense to you? And so we're all in this together. Now you're like, oh, this sounds like a vision thing. I'm not a Christian. Well, this is exactly why we exist. We exist to reach people like yourselves. If you're not a Christian, you are in the right place. You are exactly who we prayed for. You're exactly who we turned up for. You're exactly who we've been fasting for. You've been exactly who we've been worshiping for. You are in the right place. And so this is relative and this is applicable to all of us. If you're new, if you're unsaved, if you don't know Jesus, 
And maybe you've just been part of the family from day one. Well, let's put on fresh lens of eyes. Let's put on fresh vision and say, I'm going to go into everything that God's called me to be. So maybe most times when the pastor's up here and they get excited about vision, they start casting vision and they get fired up and you get fired up and then we all go home. Some, I'm a next steps person. So you're like, what is my next step? I'm so glad you asked. The fastest working, you're all becoming very spiritual and hungry and asking, look at you. <laughs> all the right questions. What is, I feel it, I feel it. Yeah, what, wait for the second question. I'll, let me answer the first one. What is my next step? Well, we have a next step. See, I, I need us to understand this church. This isn't about the building. The building needs to do its thing and that is, that is not my focus. There's stuff happening and that is on the side and that will happen. But this is about us being built. This is not about a building. This is about you and I. Because at the end of the day, I'm not taking the building to heaven. We're going to take each other to heaven. We're the only thing that's going to go up. We're the only thing that's going to see Jesus face to face. And you are important to Him. And I'm genuinely convinced that every person in this room has a gifting, has a calling, has a purpose. You may not feel like it. You may be a mother with kids running everywhere. And you're like, I have no purpose. I'm trying to survive. But I want you to know even you have a purpose. Even you have a calling and you have a gifting. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do something special. People have been asking me, when's the 11 a.m. service starting? Well, I've got news for you. It's starting next week. But it's going to be different. So in the past, our 9 a.m. and our 11 a.m. are identical services. Not anymore. In this season, as we're advancing into the church, as we're advancing into everything God's calling us to, the 9 a.m. is going to be like this service. But our 11 a.m. is going to be our discipleship leader service. And it's going to be a service where it's going to be practical. It's going to be more hands-on. It's actually going to be a place where we can have conversation. There's going to be a moment where you can actually have, ask questions. How cool is that? You can actually ask questions after the message has been shared. And it's going to be really hands-on. And so for the next five weeks, uh, over the 11 a.m., this is what's going to happen. So the first session, we're going to talk about God's design for you. The second session, we're going to discover giftings and callings. The third session, we're going to talk about atmosphere and creativity and culture. The fourth section, we're going to talk about leadership processes. And the fifth session, five weeks from now, five weeks from next week, six weeks rather, we're going to have a prophetic time where we're going to lay hands on you, pray for you, believe with you after the work that God has done over those four weeks. And can I encourage you, this is not one of those, oh, I'm going to the 11 a.m. next week and I'm going to one week, two weeks after. No, I want you to commit because it's a whole pathway. It's a whole pathway. Can I encourage you to, uh, to stay plugged in? And now maybe you're like, I cannot do both. Then I want to encourage you for the next five weeks, stick to the 11. It's going to be a bit different, but stick to the 11. If, if you're like, what's going to build me? Stick to the, If you can do both, I would love for that to happen. You're like, what about my kids? Well, glad you asked. That's the second question. I felt that from the back row. Well, your kids, your kids, we're going to have kids church happening at the 11 a.m. too. So if you're coming in for the nine, we're going to have 9 a.m. Kids Church. We're going to have 11 a.m. Kids Church. And it's all going to be good. We just found that this is the best way to host and take care of you because we don't want to overextend our times with you. We respect your days. But can I ask for a commitment? And if that is the case, what we do need you to do is we need you to register because based on who turns up, we need to work out what the room's going to look like, is how many people are there. Maybe you might have a few snacks here and there. We need to work out what we need to do. And so for that to happen, I'd encourage you at the end of the service to register for the 11 a.m. session so we know who you are. We, we, we are prepared to greet you and to host you and it's going to be a great time. Church, let's do this together. Be it the fact that you're new, be the fact that we're old, be the fact that it's been a long time or be the fact that it's too quick. Let's get on to what God is doing. God is on the move. 
Leonard Ravenhill said this, when the opportunity of a lifetime presents itself, make sure you respond within the lifetime of the opportunity. And, and I, I do think we have an opportunity and that opportunity is be a church. I'm believing in our first service at the new building, I'm believing for seven, over 700 people to be there. That's what I'm believing for. We probably need a team this big to host 700 people. And I believe, imagine you are part of that miracle. You're like, my life is a mess. Well, the greatest thing that you can do when your life is a mess is to attach yourself to something greater so that the greatness of that thing can come upon your life and transform the mess that you're in. If your life is not going in the right direction, you need to be a part of this. And so I wanna encourage us, church. Let's do this together. This is not Alwyn's church. This is not Pastor Caleb's church. This is our church. I actually had this thought this morning. I wasn't sure if I needed to say this. Pastor Shane, my pastor and I have had these conversations in the past. I do believe in some ways that when it comes to downpour, you know, in heaven, we're gonna be rewarded for our work. I do believe there's gonna be some people that are actually gonna be more rewarded when it comes to downpour than me. I do believe that. And I know some of you sacrifice and do things behind the scene and God sees that. Now we've had, my pastor, we've had open conversations. We know what we're called to do. We know we're called to stand and speak and all that. But we're not doing this because we want to gather whatever else in heaven. But I do believe there are people in this church that have been working and going after it and serving, not because of me, not because of their leader, but they're doing it unto God. And can I say there's a great reward that God has for you. Let's be a part of building something so incredible that our city will say, what is going on on the north side of Brisbane? Let's do something so incredible that it surely, it, it cannot be man-made. This is not a man-made thing. This is a heart of God thing. This is a building a house for the glory of God. Can I pray with you? Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you for these people. Lord, I realize that we are surely in unusual days. We are in extraordinary days. These are unique days. Some of the things we can see, some of the things we cannot see. But together I know, I sense that spirit of pioneering once again on this house. And Lord, I pray that that heart that's been there, that spirit that's been there, I pray that it would revive itself once more and transfer from the front to the back, from the left to the right. Lord, these are your people and you have a plan, a purpose and a gifting and a calling for them. Lord, we bring that, let this be the year where we discover that together and what the Lord has done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.